lockdown's over. Kind of. <laughs> I wouldn't say lockdown's completely over. Although now you say that, I can't think of a reason why it isn't. But it's not like we've opened the doors and gone, come in everyone, let's have a great big party. No. We're doing normal things. Yes. Or at least regular everyday things that we have been wanting to do for a while. Yeah, like getting a haircut. You are one of them people who I've seen all over my Facebook going, I can't believe this is all, I'm getting a haircut, this is so good. I didn't think I would be one of those people. I genuinely, I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm going to wait. There's no need to go out. And lo and behold, as soon as my amazing hairdressers came open and they said that they would have loads of like safety things put right there, they really have gone above and beyond. Mm. Got the visors on, the masks, screens up. There was just me and one other person in this morning as well. There's sanitizer, every, you know, they've got all the um, products being sanitized and disposable gowns and everything. It's amazing, like, they really have done an amazing job yeah so it felt very very safe but as soon as they put something up on social media saying can make an appointment i'll just have a little look (laughs) bang nine o'clock saturday morning there i was fully paid up and everything i was like i'm paying for it ahead of time as well so yeah i've chopped all my hair off which is amazing because it's been growing for six months and now it has gone. Hurrah! So you were confident in the process as well then? Very you much felt so. felt very safe. Very much so. It felt safer to be in there yeah. than some of the supermarkets I've been in yeah. in the past few weeks. Mm. Particularly when people decide they're not going to follow the arrows. Which <laughs> just, on so many levels, it, I just can't, I can't deal with it. Oh. But yes. And you... I went to the cinema. You went to the cinema. So we talked about that. Was it a couple of episodes ago? We talked about thinking about maybe going if the picture's opened again. I was weighing it up and I've got a annual pass at Odeon. And so it was a risk-free thing. If I felt like I was, there was any, there was any danger or anything like that, I could just up and leave. It was a film that I wasn't really bothered about seeing. It was just... (laughs) I don't even remember what this film is that you've been... Is it something to do with shot well we'll get to that all right yeah so i've I've got a bit to say about it but um yeah so it's a film which i didn't really care about so odeon have done a really really good job walked in i can collect my tickets it's still you normally would do yeah it's still the touch screen stuff um Mm. they haven't sold new ones since it's been closed i noticed but um there is sanitizer everywhere Uh, there's a one-way system so you now have to go out to go in to go to to the costa right um, important to yeah. go to the Costa before yes. you go to the cinema. Absolutely, because I'm tired anyway. Yeah. So I need a big, a big uh, black uh, Americano to get me through the <laughs> get me through the screening. In Costa, they've got like little waiting areas for your uh, coffee. So mm-hmm. if there's people behind you in the queue, they'll just say, "Can you go stop at stand at uh, spot number one, and we'll right. come and bring it to you?" And they're all socially distanced. Then you have to go out and come back in again. When I presented my ticket, they said, uh, "Before you go in, could you just sanitize your hands at the station over there?" Um, I wore a mask to go in and a mask while I settled myself in the corner furthest away from the door so no one was going to walk past me. And there was only, because I picked something that was out originally in March and wasn't even that popular at the time. <laughs> um, it's, it, yeah, it, um, there was How only 18, 18. 18. I counted them. Okay. And I think most people, so I had some kids come in and 
I said the dad say, look, we need to find somewhere away from everyone else. Right. There were some people who came and sat on my row, but it was the back row, so maybe that was mm. it. And there were there was a good five or six seats between us. I mean, they had the whole cinema to pick from, but yeah, typically, yeah. Um, but no, it was it was. I felt really really safe. Mm. Um, yeah. What do people wear in masks? So all the staff were wearing visors, mm. like plastic shields over the face. Mm. None of the other customers were wearing masks. Interesting. But then it was a lot of people with kids. So okay. I, I suppose if you can, like, the kids were of age. So they yeah. were like nine, ten, I guess. Mm. But yeah. That, what, what? Did you go to your child's film? No, it was a 12. Oh. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was. Do you think people are, they're so desperate to go to the pictures, they're taking sort of nine, ten yeah. year olds to see. Absolutely. Sort of, it's like the old, I know 12, 12A you're allowed to sort of take kids in that are slightly younger. Yeah. But that is, it seems like a strange, because I mean, I, I can't remember which film you've gone to see, but I thought it was like a sort of a, I'm going to say a shoot em up, like a cowboy it's film. An action, it's, not, yeah. it's an action-y film yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily be taking a nine-year-old to. So maybe it's just what's out and it's just Abs- taking them to see something. I think that's it, because there's no right. new, new releases out. Um, that wasn't the demographic I thought you were going to get today. I thought no. you were just going to get single women, single men who just wanted to get out of the house sort of thing. Nah, I was the only single person there. Wow. Yeah, there was um, a couple of parents with kids. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of like um, just like teenagers, I guess, mm-hmm. who had gone to the cinema just for something to do. Um, but yeah, it was all... It was it was fine. I didn't feel bad at the end of so they put the trailers on and then afterwards they put a a, um, a film on saying at the end of your screening stay in your seats and a member of staff will come in and usher you out. Oh, okay. So you actually leave now via the emergency exit at the back of the cinema. So you don't walk all the way down the front like you normally would nope. do in that. Why? So you're now like out via this sort of restauranty bit and stuff like that. Right. Which is really retro because that's what they used to do in the Odeon in Hull when I grew up. Uh-huh. But yeah. So it's... go in in one way and go out another. That's yeah, interesting. Because so... you would think that going out the normal, like when I'm thinking of going to the pictures, you, you walk back down because you're typically on a on a sort of a raised, um, what's that, like horizontal, not horizontal. What, what's Vertical. It like, a, like a ramp. Yes. And you would walk down the stairs mm. and you'd, go out the doors he came in all in the dark yeah and then out into the big foyer so that feels a bit weird to go through a little door at the back yeah but you're straight outside okay so it's you're not mixing with the people who are coming in right so it just yeah okay yeah so you'd be happy to go again yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't want it much busier mm. um that's the worry 18's quite i thought that's much busier than i thought it, you were gonna get same so for I, me yeah. same for me I think they're, I don't know how much they're selling, how many tickets they're selling. Mm. When the big film starts to come out, they're going to, yeah. it's going to be busier. I, I was comfortable enough because there was no one around me. I was comfortable taking my mask off during mm. the um, film, even not just so I can drink my coffee and eat mm. my minstrels. Um, <laughs> I could, yeah. Um, and I left it off and then I found it on the floor. So I didn't put it back on again when I left, but yeah, because uh, it had fallen off my knee. But yeah, um, it's going to be, I'm not sure how it's going to go when the big films are out, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, ju- I'm I'm not convinced about the bigger films. I don't particularly think that I want to be sat in the middle of a dark room with a load of people coughing. Absolutely. Because th- that's what happens mm. normally. Yeah. And it's not to say that anyone who's coughing has coronavirus, mm. but you're. It's going to be on your mind. And isn't it might it? be one to sort of wait a couple of weeks and then mm. go to a show in then, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah. 
yeah yeah oh well well yeah. at least we've uh, we're out and about and interacting with the public again we are yes i'm surrounded by people and <laughs> i'm now judging everyone the same as i always did we've got loads to talk about this week we have loads to talk about this week we have been watching a lot television seems to have um to have started up again with new, new things so we should we go for it yeah let's do it watching television watching television feminism let's talk about mrs america which was the new show that came on this week which we're really excited about because we haven't had a new show for a while yeah and i was especially excited because this has got just such an amazing cast um so we'll go through some we went through them on instagram but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it's got kate blanchett mm-hmm. uh, rose byrne uzo aduba from origins new black yeah yeah uh, elizabeth bang um, john slattery john slattery gene triplehorn tracy ullman the fella from westworld Sarah Paulson. Who? The fella from Westworld? Yeah. The, oh, James Marsden. James Marsden. I can never yeah. remember his name. And most importantly, uh, Margot Martindale from Justified. Obviously, really important. Yes. So, stellar cast. I'd been hearing things about Mrs. America for a while because Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair um, had put out on her podcast some individual episodes so it reviews of individual episodes so this must have been out for a while in america yeah i think it was on at the same time probably some uh, probably devs or mm-hmm. westworld was on or something mm-hmm. like that because i was subscribed to that podcast at the time mm-hmm. and it seemed like every week they had like a new strong a-list film star coming on to talk about this episode so i was like yeah. what the hell is this um so this is the story of the equal rights amendment yeah. In America. So, for shame, I know very little about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, and for shame, so do I. Okay. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the same level as you, but that's why it makes it so interesting for me, is that, yes, this is a show about feminism, but it's looking at, it's the 1970s, isn't it? Yes. Make sure I've got this right. It's the 1970s, and looking at the political machinations surrounding the equal rights amendment that was bringing more equality into the constitution absolutely the way that i'm that's a really really summarizing summary of it but that's essentially it and but it's not necessarily the politics that we're following or the policies that we're following. Because mm. I think at one point the women are saying, oh, um, equal rights means that you're going to take all of the homemakers and put them in the Vietnam War, which yes. is not what this was about. Mm. Um, it's more about the women surrounding that movement. Yes. People who we may have heard of, so people like Gloria Steinem, and then other women who were friends or families of the main players that perhaps mm. we haven't heard of and understanding their lived experience so just again for shame mm. i've never heard of anyone in this right okay um That's any characters in yeah. this yeah well they're all real people yeah oh well yeah it's a true story so <laughs> yeah um so this has a really good cast it didn't bite me straight away okay i think i need a cut another couple of episodes just to Go, no, go on this. Do you not think that Kate Blanchett is just brilliant? I think she, I think she's really good. I think everyone is doing a really good mm. job. But um, whilst the interfamily relationships, uh, Jean Triplehorn plays this so well and there is a look of 
sort of shock in her face at the end of this episode um, where you just, oh God, someone's heart being broken mm. uh, live on TV. Rose Byrne is very good in this, almost unrecognisable, and she didn't have a lot to do in this first episode. No, I think they'll... Because it looks like what they're doing is... I mean, this episode was called... The first episode that we saw was called Phyllis. Yes. And we we stuck to Phyllis throughout the whole thing, seeing other characters coming in around her. Yeah. The next episode, I think, has another woman's name. I think actually it might be Gloria, um, which you would presume would be Gloria Steinem, but I think, again, they're going to have other people... St- you'll see other people's stories mixed okay. in with that. It's kind of how I'm feeling, but I'll be interested to see what they do. Whether they go back in time, whether we see the same scenes over and over again from that at different people's perspectives. Yes. I don't know. Whether we'll just mm. follow the story on in a, in a linear way. Yeah. I mean, John Slattery is... I mean, John Slattery is playing Roger Sterling in this. Oh, I don't think he is. I completely disagree. Oh. I, I thought he would be because it's very Mad Men. That hmm. was going to be one of my big takeaways from it is it's sepia-infused television. We yes. are back in the 70s. Mm. It is absolutely beautiful from the point of view of something that is taking us to a period in history. Yeah. The the clothes, are just, everything Kate Blanchett wears. And given that me and Kate Blanchett are two very different women, <laughs> but everything Kate Blanchett wears, I just wanted them to take it and put extra bits in and shorten it and and just give it to me because her clothes are just amazing the tea sets the mm. the every detail is just is wonderful and i thought oh mad men really reminded me of mad men john slattery clearly major player in mad men he's just going to be the same guy but here he's frail he's old he's world weary but not in the way that that Roger from Mad Men was. He's not as knowing. He's he's just, he's a man that wants his wife to be a homemaker and to stay at home. And yes, he supports her to a certain extent, but he doesn't really support her. And I've I've and he's he's meant to be much older than her. They make that point. In yes, the, well, I think he probably is as and well. He is, yeah. yeah, but he really does look old in there. and I thought he looked quite thin and unwell yes. okay. actually which is meant to be I think this is what it's meant to be so I really didn't I didn't okay. get that at all hmm. I will carry on watching this hmm. I might not finish it okay. um yeah surprised. yeah just not for me it's a it seems to me it just nothing caught me uh, about the main drive of the show not even about the the lives of the I mean it is very um, women centric, but the lives of those yeah, that's a problem. Women... <laughs> <laughs> the, the lives of the women, Leslie. What are you like? The li- the lives of the women are so complex. You could see Kate Blanchett's character. Um, she's she's a right winger. She's a conservative. Mm. She's she's going up against the Equal Rights Amendment as a woman, and that's the way they're going to play it. Yes. The, the 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 male politicians around her are going to mm. play it. Oh well, if a woman thinks badly of this and then if a woman is sticking up for the rights of the homemakers of of america and wants to go back to the 50s and you know that's i think that's that's going to play much better with the public but actually she's the way i read it is that she is astute 
And she is thinking, well, if I go on about nuclear war, which is actually her specialism, yes, I'm not going to get noticed. I want to get noticed in politics. What will get me noticed? Well, if I'm on the other side of this mm. argument. And you can see the cogs turning in Blanchett's performance, I think. So she, I'm not sure she 100% agrees with what with the 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 politics and that's what makes it so interesting to me is that these are well-rounded characters why are you smiling at me no 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 I, i'm just i it, it's not i'm not sure this is for me okay um same way naked gun isn't for you Fair enough. <laughs> yeah i just think this is i think i'm looking for something a little bit different at okay. this point of the year and calendar and whatever mm-hmm. okay um but yeah we'll give it another go yeah and i'm gonna carry on with that i'm gonna see it all the way great. through well this is all on the iplayer yeah. now um i think all the way through to the end of the mm-hmm. series it's definitely not a one to have on in the background it's a one to sit and just yes soak up just that beautiful period very much drama. like mad men because yeah. you can't just background watch mad men it's, yeah um, so another big show that back this week, or a show that we loved the first season mm. of, There She Goes. For people, because this was a BBC Four show, I think, so it might be that people don't know about this. Was it's, it BBC it Four? It was BBC originally? Four, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Which obviously has got a very big cast in it, but yeah, it's been it's progressed up to BBC Two in the way that these things do. Mm. The first series of There She Goes... Yeah, I don't even know how I found out about this, but someone must have told me about it, or I must have seen a review somewhere saying that there was a new comedy. Obviously, it was on BBC Four, but I can't remember that at the time. And it was only in sort of, is it half hour? Yeah, it's half hour. One of our favourites, isn't it? Just Absolutely. Half hour episodes. And I just consumed the entire thing and found it heartbreaking, heartwarming, authentic... I, I couldn't believe that that show was on TV. I'd never seen anything like it. And I told you about it, didn't I, at, yes. the, at that point? Did you then watch series one with me? We watched then? it together. We watched it together, so we yeah. watched it again. Now, this is a show about a, a married couple who've already got a little boy. Um, so it's Jessica Hines and David Tennant playing the couple. Um, little boy who's called Ben and they go on to have a second child called Rosie but Rosie has a chromosomal disorder that is unknown and unnamed and she has what they describe as a learning disability yes they describe her as learning disabled Mm. and you get there's a, a fantastic framing device where you see them back in sort of the, the early days of Rosie's sort of life. Yeah, where she's very young and a, a baby almost. Yeah, and mm. then up to sort of, in inverted commas, current, present day. Yeah. And the back back when they first have Rosie, things are very difficult. And then you see in the sort of the modern, modern day how they are dealing as parents of a, a disabled child. Mm. At that point in time, <laughs> we didn't have any children. No, you're right. Mm, we didn't have any children. And I remember thinking, I can't believe that we haven't seen this type of story on TV before. So yeah, at that point in time, we didn't have any kids. Mm. And then, of course, for people who may have joined the podcast more recently, we had two boys... Uh, very early at 24 weeks 
one of our boys very sadly passed away shortly after the boys were born and then we spent over 100 days in neonatal intensive care um, with our surviving twin and without going into too many details because I'm really conscious of our surviving twin Blake's privacy yeah we now are in a world where we do have a disabled child yeah um a child who has multiple disabilities Mm. um of lots of different types and we are in that world where we're going to hospitals and we're dealing with the outside world and now this show resonates I mean, it resonated with me before, yeah, and it, it spoke to me before. But this show now is just—it brings me so much joy and also peace of mind, mm. and it it reflects in so many ways our life. Yeah, even though we're in a completely different situation, we're completely different people, but there is something about having your world represented on a TV show that gives so much comfort. I don't know if you feel the same now that the second series is out. Now that we have had experiences that are shown in this show, it, it's just I'm just so glad that it exists. I, I love this show. Um, I think that the leads are amazing. I mean, Jessica Hines is a comedy genius and but, but she's she is she, and she is funny in this but there are a number of scenes particularly the sort of back in the day and in inverted commas early 2000 yeah. scenes when the, the baby's first born mm. where she has to give these monologues where she is struggling with yeah. her husband with her own feelings about the child you're saying she's a comedy genius, but in this, I think you get to see her absolute, her drama chops. I mean, that was my next sentence. Go but on then. okay, Carry on. Um, David Tennant is playing the father who isn't strug- who isn't coping mm. uh, so well, and having been there a number of times over the past few <laughs> months and year and last year, um, I can totally buy into that. He is so there is such joyous moments in this. There is such cringeworthy moments and it's never playing it's never making fun of what's happening it's making fun of the people around what's happening mm-hmm. i i think it's really important to say that the 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 comedy is incredibly dark yes and i know some people have found mm. it to be difficult as a as a comedic vehicle but that for me it's the darkness of the comedy that for me speaks the truth that for me is authentic because we have had moments where our comedy and our humour has got so dark and we have said things to each other that we would never say outside of our relationship. We we would never say it to anyone else. Mm. But that is the way that you cope. That is the way you go to dark places and humour to to cope. And I don't think this is necessarily just... I don't think this... I think this will speak to any parent. I think that... Rosie's um, disability is just, say device is kind of going to probably do it a disservice, but it is just something, I think everyone has those things when they are dealing with kids where they are like, for God's sake, and and, and that's how you react. And there was a, um, in the first episode of the second series that we saw, there's a scene between Jessica Hines and um, young Ben, sort of back back in time again, yes. you know, going going um, into the past, where Ben asks, you know, will Rosie ever be normal? And mm. she explains it to him as well, well, she'll be Rosie normal. Yes. And that's one of the beauties of this show is, is that 
this is just normal. This is their normal. This is her normal. And that gives me a lot. It, I take a lot out of that in, you know, when people ask me about Blake and like, what has he got and what's wrong? Yes. What's wrong with it? You know, in yeah. and it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is just who he is. You know, and there's, there are little moments like that that I think are just, they they speak to what it is like to be a, just a parent. Mm. Just a parent. Absolutely. I'd say there are two things that have I'm going to say annoyed me, but mm. I think where the BBC have really missed a trick okay. on this. Um, one of which is they use the sixpence and on the richer version of There She Goes for the theme tune, God. which is really annoying. <laughs> I'm sure they couldn't get the rights to the Lars version. But uh, but the other one, the sort of seriousness, you can't find the first series anywhere. Oh. It's not on the iPlayer. It's not on Netflix. You can't even, as far as I know, you can't even go to Amazon and buy it. That's such a shame. Yeah, because... I would, I would encourage people to watch this, but totally. this is such a sh- like. I would encourage people to go and find the first series, mm. however you can get it on DVD. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there are places out there you can watch it. Um, whether it's Amazon on the, I'm just going to see if it is on Amazon. No, doesn't seem to be, which is just annoying, just, just and I can't it. understand why. Because now is, the second series is on, you would think that they'd put the first series on. Especially when they've moved it from BBC4 to BBC2, so yep. it's going to be a whole new set of eyes. I don't know what it's been on recently or anything like that, yeah. but you would really hope that they did a better job of this. And I hope that someone's just kind of realised that that's the... Mm. Well, that's what's happened. You know, they did this with another show as well that we, we wanted to see the first season of when the second season came out, and that was Motherland. Because that was, again, a show that was about parenthood that just after we'd had the boys that we really wanted to watch because that was the sort of thing we were looking for at that time. And series two had come out, but they hadn't put series one on. So you could I had seen series one, but you hadn't, and you wanted to catch up. So yeah, this is something that's, that's happening. I think just quickly before we move on to something else, I think it's important yeah. to say that There She Goes was written by Sean Pye, um, who... Is essentially the David Tennant in this. Absolutely. It's his real life story with his wife Sarah, um, and they have um, a, a child. I don't know the child's name, but they went through exactly this. Um, their child has a chromosomal disorder, much like Rosie in in the show. And I, I remember reading that he said that he used to put up these little vignettes, these little stories, on his personal Facebook, and people would say. I don't hear these, I don't hear what it is like to be a parent of a disabled child. I don't hear these, these funny stories and these very, you know, these authentic, genuine, how you live and Mm. funny things that she does and things that are completely normal to you, but might not be normal in inverted commas to other people. And so he went out and he he said, look, you know, would, would the... BBC be interested because he's, um, I think he's a writer on, ver- or at least he was a, a writer on various comedy shows in the past. Yes. And I think he was a character in Extras as well. Like okay. He, he acted, because I was looking up his Wikipedia earlier on today, and he was someone with like a double-barreled name in Extras, but I don't know Extras very well, so. Okay, so, I mean, this is, this is very Ricky Gervais in that mm. kind of, Oh, cringy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it's Greg in extras. Now, I don't know who Greg is, but... Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but yes. Well done, us. Mm. But 
I think this is something that really needs to be seen. Yeah. So um, find a way to watch it. <laughs> and yes, can do that. Yeah. You've watched something else on a related note. Yes, I've um, watched a documentary about disability this week as well, just on the on the, on that theme. Mm. And it's Alex Brooker, who is the comedian or one of the comedians from The Last Leg on Channel Four. Have you ever seen The Last Leg? Yeah, I, I don't watch it as much as I want to. Mm. Um, I really enjoy it when I do see it. Yes, um, it's one of them things where it just must be on at a time when I never <laughs> think to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's probably on too bed. late for us. Yeah, that is what yeah. you mean. Yeah, oh, but, I'm not thinking to watch it. No, we're actually asleep. <laughs> but I think this is. I mean, I think it really helped break down a lot of barriers because um, it was around. It was London 2012 that it started, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and around the Paralympics. Yeah. as as well. Um, so yeah. It, he um had he was born with um i think his fingers didn't work yes it's something to do with his tendons and some of them i think may have been fused together as well um and i think there was an issue with one of his arms and also when he i think he was quite old actually i think he might have been something like 16 months or something like that um he had one of his legs amputated as well because there was a, a twist there so this documentary is looking at his experiences as a disabled person. It is quite an intimate portrait of him at home. There are there are some again. There's some brilliant comedy with it, especially with him and his wife, who is essentially saying to him, you know, you're not disabled when you go and see the Arsenal, um, but you are <laughs> when there's a burglar at the front of the house and you you won't put your leg on, you know, or you cut, you know, you say, oh, I, I just can't be bothered to put my, you know, I'm just it's going to be too difficult to put my leg on. Yeah. And actually, he was saying, look, it takes me three seconds to put my leg on, but I decide at that point in time that I'm going to play it, play it this way. So there's some some lovely sort of relationship moments there and he hasn't necessarily spoken about disability uh, particularly openly or his disability he hasn't looked at it and he he says that for sort of like 17 years or so he's just not been to the hospital he's not been um going to the many appointments that we we currently have at the moment that he had as a child he went to great ormond street so it's a bit of a journey back in time for him and speaking to his mum in particular who used to take him to all the appointments and taking her back to Great Ormond Street. So some really interesting moments where he is exploring for the first time with his mum how she felt about okay. the um, medical interventions that he had to have, about how she navigated the world with a disabled child in what i would imagine would be sort of like the late 80s early 90s i'm 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 wanting to say the early 80s but it's not going to be is it you know Um, it's probably mid 80s yeah so and again as someone who's in a very similar situation lots of things resonated with me in in that show she speaks quite openly about not knowing what to do and but feeling that she needed to protect her child from the world and that's a lot of the programs that we've watched especially there she goes and this program that i've been watching which obviously is more of a a documentary you are looking at the way that society disables people yes and it's not that those people can't do things that they want to do it's that society puts cobbled streets in and stairs and lifts that don't work Mm. and 
you know, the, there are barriers to people where there should just be reasonable adjustments. Things should be easier and um, they shouldn't be harder. So yeah. I was watching it very much with, with that, that perspective in mind. I thought this was a wonderful documentary. It had two hats on. It was looking at his life, but it was also him talking to disabled people, particularly at the football and learning about yeah. their experiences. And, it, you know, especially as someone who has this at the forefront of our mind at the mm. moment, I'm so keen to have greater diversity on our television. Absolutely. To have people on the TV that our son can say, I'm like them. Yeah. It might not be com- completely similar. Disabled people are not a homogenous group. Yes. They're all the same. And yeah. that's one of the things that Alex Brooker points out in this. That sometimes mm. they all get put into the disabled camp. And, you know, I've come across that before as well. Yeah. Um, in, in the experiences we've had, everyone is different. But it would be nice to see lots of different people on the television. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, this is on. Is this on the iPlayer or is it all it four? Is, or it's, or it's, it... um, it's actually BBC Two BBC again. Two. Okay. So yeah, I was looking for it on Channel Four on, on all four. Yeah, last and I was player, again, it, yeah. yeah, and and then I realised I had to look it up. It's on. Uh, it's on the iPlayer. So yeah, again, mm. really recommend this. Okay, I've got a couple of films to talk about. Right. Because these aren't television, so I don't know if we need a new theme tune to... Oh, don't. I can't, I can't be going out and finding another watching theme tune film, now. Watching a film, watching a film. Go on then. Is the first one going to be your your trip to the audience? No, the first one's going to be The Old Guard. I know, which I'm... Look at my sad face. I'm so sad about this. Well, I wanted to watch this. Um, well, I didn't think it would be of any interest to you. Someone said it was like Highlander. I mean, come on, Mark. Okay. So this is what How I watched. How much more would I want to watch something in Highlander? As soon as someone said Highlander, I would have come running down the stairs. Well, you should have got up with Blake this morning, like I did. Well, you didn't say me. you were going to watch it. <laughs> well, okay. You normally watch really weird stuff on a morning. I'm quite happy staying in bed. And I did. <laughs> so this is the latest Netflix film. So it's on it's on Netflix now. It was released, uh, as we'd speaking, last Friday. Right. Oh, are you sulking? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this stars Charlize Theron. Um, it is about a group of mercenaries who, for reasons that are delved into but not fully explained during the plot, are self-healing and essentially immortal. Can there be only one? No, there's no, there's there's a few, there's a few. Yeah, God. it's not completely like Highlander. No, the closest thing I would say to is, I mean, the obvious. The obvious comparison, and everyone will be making this comparison, is Wolverine. Oh, okay. Because if they get shot with a bullet, the bullet oh, pops out pop and they out. heal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's a full team of them. Um, and they come across a new person with disability. There's only a very limited amount of people who have disability. And that's played by Kiki Lane, who I know from If Beale Street Could Talk. Okay. Obviously playing a very different role in this as a mercenary, um, but she's really good in this. The rest of the team is Matthias Schoenart, who I really like in Dustin Byrne, or Rust and Burn. <laughs> Let's get that right. So, <laughs> Rust and Burn was this thing we discussed on our very first night I'm out just, together. That's what I'm just, yeah. It's the one about, is it the one about the whale? Um, so it's about, it's Marion Cotillard yeah. as a whale trainer That's who it. gets in an accident and loses yeah. his limbs. Yeah. 
So, yeah, <laughs> he's in it. Um, another couple of guys who I don't know from anything. Chewy Telegia falls in it, okay. rocks up. The big baddie, I spent the entire film trying to work out who it was. And as I now have looked it up... I could have told you if I was there, you see. <laughs> it's Dudley Dursley! I, I bet I would have... I would have oh, um, Mellers. Harry Mellers? Melling. Uh, Harry Melling, yes. See, see, I would have known. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. first thing to say is, this is a this isn't a great film, but it is a good, fun film. Okay. It's directed by someone called Gina Prince Bythewood, who I've never, I've never come across any of her work. Um, having looked back at other stuff that she has done, I've heard good things about. Uh, so Beyond the Lights was out about five years ago. It's about a singer. It stars uh, Gugu and Bathoro. Sort of Mini Driver, I think, was in it as well. Really well thought of. But she's never done really an action film. What I'll say is the action scenes are really well done. They're not quite up to sort of John Wick levels of violence and martial well, arts and everything uh, like that. Charlize Theron is fantastic. Yeah. As a, I mean, that, that, that action presence. Yeah, absolutely. And the team bounce off each other really well. But the biggest thing for me is you can see that this is done with a female director and it's unlike any modern action film in that you've got two female leads um, it passes the Beckdale test easily there's absolutely no love tie-ins uh, for either of them they just get on with their stuff um, the only love interest are between two men on the team who met one is a Muslim uh, one is a Christian who met on either side of the Crusades because these two are immortal I love yeah. it already. The difference of this between sort of, I mean, the Wolverine origins mm. went into this a little bit, but not very well. I don't even think Highlander does, although you're, you might want to correct me about this because I know oh, that you're very much more into this than me. Go on, then. It goes into the world weariness that you've seen if you've been alive for for mm -hmm. centuries and millennia. Mm -hmm. um, you have had to deal with so much stuff that you're cynical to all of the world and the, how the world is. You try and improve the world and it turns against you. It really got, delves into that. Um, there are scenes that they have seen and scenes that they go back on which have actually stayed with me and... I'm interested to see you watch it because mm. I think you will have quite a reaction to something and not necessarily a positive one, okay. but it's not something that's it's not something that's played for horror or anything like that, but I know you will say, Oh, I didn't I didn't like that. Right. Um but I really that's recommend intriguing. you watch I really recommend you watch this. Yeah. Because this is a it's a I, I'd say it's a strong three foot star film. I love that idea about the world weariness of if you've been alive for such a significant period of time and just mm. that you know Highlander does go into that you know slightly well, um okay. not not to a huge amount yeah um but you do get a sense of yeah I've been here before I know I know how how things work mm. but yeah I really I'd like to see that. Um, looked at in more detail and I think I've heard on another podcast as well someone else talk about this as being a real highlight of the of the film this theme yeah so yeah I'd like to I'd like to see it Mark one thing that's quite annoyed me um so I'm going to talk a bit inside baseball here we're going to talk about podcasts mm. have you listened to the Empire podcast review of this I may have done but at the moment I'm listening to podcasts as I'm Go, like in bed yeah so i'm sleeping mm. through podcasts so my brain may have taken in various podcasts but yeah what, what's so wrong empire have reviewed this and gave it two stars 
Oh, I think I've seen this on Twitter. Right, okay. For which I respect James Dyer as a mm, journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and when you are watching something blind, you don't know quite mm. how things are going to go for mm-hmm. the, how, how the public reaction is going to mm-hmm. be to this. The mm-hmm. public reaction to this has been really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a recommendation on a different podcast, Film Spotting, that does mm-hmm. very sort of highbrow yeah, artsy, arty films. arty films. Yeah, So, yeah. He's now gone back and changed his review okay. to be three stars. Right. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, Oh, that yeah, that is something that would 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 affect you, I think. I think yeah. I, I wouldn't really care about that. But you you're a bit of a stickler for the old star system and but just live by your guns. Cause now it's a it's a negative review that reads as three stars. So. Do you not think maybe he was thinking that I mean I've not listened to the podcast I clearly haven't listened to the podcast because this hasn't gone in my brain, but it might have been sort of a, a low three, high two, and he just hasn't quite known where to place it. And actually, he's gone back, and in hindsight, he's thought, actually, it is a three. Well, he has. Yeah, and that's exa- that is exactly is that what, what has happened. Said? Right, okay. But I think you, if, if you, you think just... something is a two, you live mm. by it. And yeah, this is this is really inside baseball, <laughs> isn't so it? This you. is so this niche, me. So As I'm saying this, I thought, yeah, that, that yeah. Because you, you get really annoyed about the star rating that we do for date night. Do we Yeah, but. <laughs> I don't even remember what I've given them and I don't really care but you you can like if I say to you what did I give for like I don't know I'm not mentioning inside out because that'll start you off a bit. but if I had, like top secret last week I said to you Who's what that? did I give to yeah you just you just know I don't know and I don't care okay. so yeah well just yeah yeah it's all so, right yeah so moving on from my pain so yeah I went to see Bloodshot that's what you went to see at the pictures. Yeah, which was a film that was out in March, did nothing at the box office. Uh, I think people were starting to get a bit spooked about COVID at the time. Mm. I think it opened up fifth in the box office rankings. See, I've, I still haven't heard. Only did I hear of this the other day when you said to me, I'm going to go to the pictures. Is it Vin Diesel? It's Vin Diesel. Right, because you, you've told yeah. me that and I've, somewhere mm. in my brain I've kept, kept all of that information. So, uh, yeah, so I walked in, I knew it had Vin Diesel in it, I knew it had... The girl who was in, I think she's in um, Hobbs and Shaw or something. Yeah, she's in Hobbs and Shaw briefly. Um, but yeah, that was all I knew about it. Didn't I need the plot? This is about Vin Diesel, who plays a soldier who is um, genetically modified so that he has nanobots in his bloodstream and he becomes um, invincible. Uh, so he has, in the style of sort of Wolverine, nanobots who, when he's shot open, like the bullet will pop out and it will seal up. Immediately drawing comparisons between the two, the two films. You can tell this is a male-directed film, which mm. hit home within the first five minutes where he is cavorting about with... Cavort- that's yes. a, great, a great term. Comforting about with uh, Tallulah Riley, oh, uh, who yeah. is 18 years his junior. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, she's in bed topless. Of course um, she is, because yeah. we, we, all, we all like doing that. Yeah. And for the first half, for the first half of this film, I was thinking this is just awful, mm. by-the-numbers action film. It, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the sort of early 90s sort of like Demolition Man-esque type. That's what it... Absolutely. Oh, straight to DVD. Mm. Mid-level action films. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this the other day and mm. yeah, I mean, these are two absolute mid-level action films. Okay. The baddie is played by Toby Kebble. Oh, again? Yeah. Oh, Toby. Yeah. Toby Kebble. I, I, like, 
I'm not his agent, but he keeps playing baddies and he's a very good baddie. Yeah. But I'd love to see him. I'm banging the sofa here. Mm. I'd love to see him do something different. He he was brilliant in Black Mirror where he had so much to to play with there and he was a baddie, but he was a goodie and he was a bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was a real complexity. Is he a complex villain in this or is he just a villain? <laughs> Oh, well, is it that bad? You're yeah, just throwing your phone, yeah. phone on the floor. I didn't actually. I threw the remote control <laughs> on the floor with my phone, which fell on the couch. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a trick shot. Um, no, no. Oh. He plays a annoying villain mm. who... Oh, I, I, would, I don't want to go into too many spoilers yeah, about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think we need to spend too much time on no. this. No. Well, well um, Guy Pearce pops up, Mike from Neighbours... Um, playing a British scientist, bad accent. And I was going through this, it was proper going through the motions. I could join the dots all the way through. And then halfway through the film, something changed. Did they put a different film on? No, 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 no. No, I'm only joking. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm not being serious. There is a 20 minute spell, which I didn't see coming, justifies a lot of the decisions that they made where I was rolling my eyes earlier on and changed the film loads and it caught me off guard completely. It then carries on to be a largely forgettable (laughs) action film. I mean, there is a British scientist who rocks up, um, played by Lamorne Morris, uh, who's in New Girl, he's an American actor. Um, He is now entered the top three of all-time worst British accents. He's very personable, but, um, you know, Dick Van Dyke and in Mary Poppins and Don hey. Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. Don't, um, ha- don't have a go at Dick, please. There's someone on their tail. Um, if I tell you that the guy's name in this is Wilfred Wiggins, that is everything you need to know about this film. Oh, I quite like that. Wilfred Wiggins, a bit of alliteration. Mm. I think that 20 minutes in the middle raised it to actually quite respecting the film. Um, I walked out going, well, okay, so... It caught me off guard. And not a lot of films do catch me off guard. Do you not think this is because you've not been to the flicks for a while and you were maybe looking for something that justified the fact that you went and sat in that theatre with 17-odd other people? Possibly, possibly. Mm-hmm. Or you were you were trying to find the good in no, the No, 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 because I was, I, w- I was ready to just come back and slate this. Like, okay. this is the, yeah. And then when I went back, I was like, I wonder how they've marketed this film. So I put on the trailer... Tells you everything. Tells you everything right. that w- it would have absolutely spoiled this oh, for me oh, had I seen that. See yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't go watch this if you've seen the trailer. <laughs> um, if you can avoid anything, you might get some out of it because I did, but I couldn't recommend this to anyone because this is by the numbers poor, outdated Vin Diesel. Okay, but I'm glad I went to see but it. I'm, I'm glad you went to see it as well. I think it was. It was good for you to try out what was going on. Yeah, um, absolutely. In the pictures and to see something that if you say, I mean, like you say, you don't normally get caught off guard by things. So if, no. that, if that gave it some, that 20 minutes did something for you, then good on you. Absolutely. Oh, right. Right. So. Bit of Joel. Bit of Joel Schumacher. <sighs> I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's the first time for quite a few weeks, actually, that we've had a date night where both of us have gone, actually, yes, we we just want to watch this film and just 
yeah, like, watch it and see what it's like. And not, it's not that one of us is going, oh, yeah, you've mm. been wanting me to watch this for ages. And also, your mum will be dead happy. Yeah. So that's, that, you know, does it for me. <laughs> I got a text off her saying how excited she I was. Know, I know. So yeah, that makes it all worthwhile in my book. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, let's go watch Flatliners. Today's a good day to die. Flatline. 30 seconds to go. Can you recall any specific emotion or sensation? No, but there is something out there. We're running out of time. 300, clear. Nothing. Your heart go again. Clear. Nothing, I can't hear anything. Come on, Nelson. Breathe. We lost him. No! Welcome back, man. I'm going next. Two minutes. 210. Was there anything negative about your experience? This is too weird. We've experienced death. Now, somehow, we brought our sins back physically. That is not hallucination, and it is not possible. Oh, my God. You withheld information. That's the same as lying. You wouldn't have done it. At least we would have had a choice. You're not real. <laughs> hey, come on. They're your sins. Live with them. I do. No! Nelson, please! I thought I'd paid my dues. Thank you for the nightmare. No! Come on, Joe! Starting CPR. Flatliners. Some lines shouldn't be crossed. And we're back. Not from the dead. Just from watching Flatliners. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find that? I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, okay. I can understand that. It's a film very much of its time. This isn't what I expected Flatliners to be. Right, what did you anticipate? So I anticipated... Um, so I knew obviously it was about college students uh, investigating what was to happen on the other side of death. Spoilers for Flatliners, by the way, everyone. Yeah, spoilers for the 30-year-old <laughs> film Flatliners. So, okay, so medical students yeah. trying to find out what happens when you die. That's not really what happens in no, this film. No, it's not. Uh, that's just a device to have a bit of Stephen King light, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, this is a horror film. Yes. it's. Um, I was looking up today when I was looking like right in the show notes, and it's described as a supernatural horror. Yeah, it is it light. Mm. Um, and that wasn't what you were anticipating? Not at all, not at all. Did you think it was going to be more of a rumination on the... Um, about God or religion or... Yeah, well, I still think... Death. Well, I, I suspect there is probably still some philosophical debates that could be had about this. Mm. Probably not someone that I'm going to be having after four beers and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the very and late a, night. Yeah, and late night and early morning. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily that. I thought this was going to be far more a drama than a sort of supernatural uh, thing. I thought this was going to be, for a start, I mean, we'll go into my thoughts on the film. This, I think, is edited to my tastes perfectly. You're straight in there. Like, I, I I think... I anticipated there'd be sort of 20 minutes of people getting to know each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he, oh he, he wants us to help him on this experiment. What's going on? No. Yeah, none no. of that. Five minutes, you're, Keith Sutherland's getting his heart stopped. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, straight in there. Perfect. Yeah. And then he's haunted by a little boy. Mm. And Kevin Bacon's haunted by a little girl. And Billy Baldwin is haunted by the people he has had sex with and videotaped 
which I remembered apparently yeah, from Yeah, yeah, that was so weird last last episode when yeah. we were saying what did you remember? You just or what did you know? Mm. You just said, Oh, I, I kind of have this weird recollection of people having sex on, on tape. Yeah. And yeah, then it, with it a was. really old style film picture oh, of it. Yeah, I mean yeah. the camera is just it's crackly and black and white <laughs> and it's proper old camcorder, isn't it? Yeah, and Julia Roberts um haunted by a dad. Yes. So the hauntings. And was that the point where you were just not quite quite sure it wasn't the f- so this this wasn't the film i wanted right it was um i think <sighs> you wanted a drama yeah you? you wanted more of a philosophical i wanted something where there are people i don't know i kind of expected people to be i expected this few more about the afterlife in it mm. rather than just people going under coming back and then dealing with the consequences of their sins and obviously you can Take a lot of metaphors from that and Huge. things like that, and it's a little bit shoehorned in the metaphors and. I don't know. I mean, it it is. It's about atonement, isn't it? That's the the guiding light. Not that that's a pun, but you know, that's the guiding light. Here is it is about atonement, not necessarily. Not necessarily every character has done a bad thing. It something that has happened in their life then comes back and they have to deal with it. If it was about atonement, we'd have come back at the end and found out that Julie Roberts had never actually came back from the death. Oh, stop it. You have such a problem with that film. Sorry, <laughs> just a minor interlude here for um, a conversation about atonement to the actual film, which Mark cannot stand. And every opportunity has to bring up who's in atonement, like Saoirse Ronan, in atonement, James McAvoy, in atonement. Like... As soon as those people come up, oh, atonement. And then there's um, one of the characters, I'm not going to go too much into atonement. Yeah. That, yeah. But there's a character right at the end of atonement that every time she comes on the telly, oh, that's that woman from it. Yeah. Um, I have um, problems with the storytelling. You, you than have that. a real problem with I have with more problems with the storytelling in atonement than I have with this. Which says a lot. Yes. Yeah. Okay, back to Flatliners. <laughs> so um, you weren't expecting this type of film no but having said that once you knew this is where it was going yeah. did it keep your attention absolutely yeah absolutely i was kind of disappointed that the left there was a big sort of hour spell where they kind of left the whole flatliners thing aside and it is I mean, it, i'm drawn back to it and certainly it part two which i know is it's on Sky, Sky Movies, yeah, moment, Sky yeah. Movies. It was the this weekend's premiere. It is just people going on and experiencing their nightmares, mm. and then they all come together and one by one they fix their nightmares, and then and then it just ended yeah. the film. Yeah, it's Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher doesn't mess around. He goes straight in. It's edit, edit, edit. I mean, it really is edited, isn't it? Yes. At points, um, it looks very much like a late 80s, early 90s rock video. There's steam everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I just love it so much. The yeah. steam coming out of like those those things on the ground. Those What are they called? You know, those circles on the ground that you the, get in America? Yeah, like, the, like on, the steam vent. Yeah, and they just like... They're just steam everywhere and there's um, uh, plastic sheets in the wind and yeah. there's renaissance painting. I mean, these are medical students, but yes. they appear to be doing uh, operations on cadavers in the castle from the I Would Do Anything For Love video. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's so gothic, isn't it? And everything's like being renovated. Nothing is just as it is. It's always in the dark. It's 
always raining. It there's, is just there is scaffolding brilliant. up. There is plastic sheeting yes. that people Wafting can walk through. In the wind yeah, and they're running down the corridor. Yeah. I just love it. It's just got such a yeah, aesthetic. Bat- Batman Forever take totally. Yeah. And then there's a there is a scene in it that is totally Batman Forever and more Batman and Robin. Joel Schumacher loves neon, and there's a scene in the street when Nelson, played by Keith Sutherland, has just gone under, he's come back, mm. and then he has his first like haunting, in inverted commas. Yes. And on the wall, the graffiti's all in neon and it's all faces. You could have taken that and put that mm. in. Batman and Robin in particular, because there's loads of neon in Batman and Robin, when Robin's going and doing like his late night, Chris O'Donnell, my, my other love. I've only um, seen Batman and Robin once. But yeah, he, he just loves neon and it, it, it's so it's so Joel Schumacher and I just, I love it, I love it so much. Mm. I mean, I could I could pick holes with this. Mm, um, mm. There are like I don't think we necessarily had to have every single time. Oh no! Oh no! We can't bring them back. What? Why are they not coming yeah. back? Like it, it it kind of lost its point after the second, and then and then poor Oliver Platt yeah. does it as one as one of the gang. Yeah, doesn't your favorite? My f- or when your his name face. in the credits came up, and I was like, <laughs> oh, so this is why we're watching this then. But like, but it's team all back together again it's um keep it sutherland but, three musketeers but before, oliver platt but before. three musketeers i know but yeah you know there are, there they are. so is this oliver platt's like launching role or I, was he... I don't know i mean i i know i'm you know there is a bit of a joke that i'm a, a big oliver platt fan don't really know that much about him other than he's in the three musketeers he's in this he's in lake placid another fantastic film never seen it Ooh. oh give it give it give, give it, it two time. weeks yeah uh, let's see, because I can't really see how he had a very background role in this. Well, he's meant to be the scientist. He, he's meant to be the person who doesn't want to be involved, is shouting in the background all the time, we shouldn't be doing this. He talks about data a lot. Mm. So he is meant to be, like, although he's the Joker, he's also the straight man in yes. terms of, I don't think this should be going ahead. I'm, I'm quite cowardly. And I'm going to tell you all the time just how dangerous this is. Yeah, so very, very small roles in Married to the Mob and uh, Working Girl. But yeah, this was his, this was his big breakout. Has role the best as lines. Yeah. We were laughing like you, you were properly laughing at some of them. <laughs> I think he started calling um, Billy Baldwin a pervert. You found that quite funny. <laughs> well, Billy Baldwin is a pervert. Well, he is in this. He's a very bad man. Um, <laughs> I thought his was actually the weakest of the of the storylines about the hauntings. It's an interesting one because it's not something from his childhood where everyone else has something from their childhood. Yeah. He has something that's absolutely from now. He's been having sex with um, a number of women. It seems to be quite quite a few from what we can see. Yeah. Um, and he's been videoing them I mean, without During the credits, consent. like the list of women that he's like, they are just grouped together in the credits. They are called Billy's Women. Yes. It's, oh, it's a bit, oh. Um, but... The other thing that we discover, not only has he been recording them without their consent, he is engaged to another, um, I think she might be another medical student, I don't know. But she's, she's in another college. She's working elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so he is not only being unfaithful, but he's also um, committing a criminal offence, yes. quite frankly. Um, or multiple criminal offences. Yeah, and that seems to be sort of like washed over, doesn't it? When it yeah. comes out, it's sort of like, oh, you're, you're a pervert, and then off we go. Jim Bowen you know. just came out and said, oh, yeah, bit of a pervert. <laughs> Back in the uh, Jim Bowen in a... Different times, caller. Different times, uh, yeah. And with his old camcorder. Yeah. Which I don't know how anyone wouldn't be able to um, to spot that because it was just it was <laughs> like the size sort of, of thing. It's that, the size of him. Yeah, it's, but yeah, 
it's um, and I thought the interesting thing with Billy Baldwin is he wasn't asked along to do the flatliner research project because he was a good doctor. He was asked along because of his camcorder. Yes, that's why they wanted him. Yeah. Um, so let's go through the cast um, beyond Oliver Platt and uh, Billy Baldwin. How did you feel Kiefer and Kevin Bacon and Julia Roberts fed? So Kiefer Sutherland is Kiefer Sutherland in this. He's brilliant. I think is he's, he... su- he's such a, a he's such a presence. I'm drawn to him every time he's on the screen. Mm. Okay, that's much I think more it's... than in Three Musketeers. It's very yeah. He is the same. He's He's the 1990s equivalent of just a moody man who, yeah. But look at him in his big trench coat, standing in the rain. Yeah, if he was, <laughs> whichever whichever musketeer he was, he would be wearing a trench coat, standing in the rain, going, oh, I'm a married milady. Uh, yes. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah, the cat. But he, he, does a trans- he does a good transition. I agree with you, he's, he's playing... Pete Kiefer, where he's all together, he's uh, the leader of this group, he puts his glasses on, he looks very wise, he's mm. clearly very good at his job, Yeah, and then he slowly loses it, doesn't he? And he can do a really good, I've lost my mind, I'm haunted, I don't know where I am. He goes from be laughing maniacally to being incredibly sad. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> He knows he knows his stuff. He's mm. been around a while at this point. He's obviously grown up in in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any problems with him at this point. Do you then feel that Kevin Bacon is equally Kevin Bacon because he seems to be? He's he, he looks a bit footloose. I think. Oh no, I think he's. I think he's. I, I thought this was a bit of a phoned in performance from uh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I mean, there were points where I just thought. He wasn't selling me on it, mm-hmm. um, and I can't quite put my finger on why. But yeah, he just didn't seem interested almost. Okay. Um, okay. It was more when I think he has zero chemistry with Julia Roberts. True, um, yeah. and I think that's probably it. Yeah, uh, because they develop a relationship during this that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, you get to see her in a little white t-shirt in bed. Um, and it, that seems like it was almost just next year to do that. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. Julia Roberts is fine. I'm not. Mm. A, I'm not a huge fan of Julia Roberts, mm. but um, I've just looked up the, the her filmography, and I guess this is just after, probably after Pretty Woman, but filmed before it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has broken through. Mm-hmm. She's not quite done Sleeping with the Enemy yet, or okay. Hook. Um, but yeah, so she is a big star, probably bigger than this part in this film um, justified mm, mm-hmm. uh, because she's Pretty Woman has been the biggest film that year I, th- I thought um, the film treated her really well though from the perspective of a woman they call her Doctor yeah. um, all the way through at the beginning you know they're calling each other Doctor so and so Doctor thingy and often in, in this, particularly in the world of academia I can tell you this if you are um, a man and you're a professor or a doctor you get called professor so-and-so doctor so-and-so yeah. but if you're a woman and you're a professor or a doctor you have any sort of title you get called by your first name uh-huh. and this comes out all the time mm-hmm. even on BBC News it has been called out in social media that um, the presenter will call the man professor they will call the woman who is also a professor by the first name 
So I really love that this is 1990 and they are calling her doctor all the way through. They're not just mm. saying, later on they call her Rachel because they get to know her and she's in yeah. a relationship with Kevin Bacon, so fair enough. But they, they call her doctor and she is absolutely on par with all of them. In fact, she is seen to be you know cleverer than, mm. than some. And aside from, aside from this relationship with Kevin Bacon that really I wish shouldn't happen, mm. there's absolutely no reason that this couldn't be a man or anyone else could be a woman in this. It, you could split the yeah. parts and swap yeah. swap roles or anything I mean, like that. The it's... diversity in terms of race is is not there. The the diversity in terms of uh, sexuality is not there at all. They could have they had the opportunity here to really bring together because they are meant to be this ragtag bunch of people yeah. who um are drawn together for this one project. It would have been lovely to see people who were quite different being being pulled together with different cultures, different relationships. I just don't think we're in that place at 1990. No, I, I agree. Um, and probably by the end of the decade we were still in if you look at something like um any sort of horror film from there where there's a group there is a mm-hmm. black best friend and then it's i think hopefully tropes. we have we have yeah. grown beyond that even further mm-hmm. now um so that's my my only sort of Elaine's problematic corner is a <laughs> great treatment of Julia Roberts and her character and that she's um, an equivalent of, of all the men. It's not that yeah. she's just brought along to be the woman. Yeah. Although you can you, you could play that, like you say, the scene of her in bed with Kevin Bacon is not required. Um, but there are other problems with the film, which is the best problem with 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 film in general, as we've spoken yeah. about before. How did you feel the film? Um, looked from a sort of a cinematography and a di- I think it looks direction. beautiful it looks beautiful mm. I mean Joel Schumacher knows what he's doing mm. um, he was a very talented director and yeah I mean I've got problems with a lot of Joel Schumacher films but they were never the problem of how they looked um, like we said the, it looks like a music video which is very much of its time I mean there is I think a lot of films around that time do look like a music video. I mean, Top Gun, yeah, Robin yeah. Hood, Prince of Thieves, even looks yeah. like a music video at times. And there are some um, some musical cues that are very electronic, rocky, late eighties. That they're, they're walking down the street and like a, a twangy guitar comes in. Yeah, I mean, my big problem with it is the final three minutes because in terms of Keith Sutherland being dead for like 12 minutes and then he suddenly comes back oh no no no, i don't no. i mean kevin bacon goes a bit jack from lost in it doesn't he well because he starts smashing things up yeah smashing him on the i won't let him die essentially the scene i mean obviously this came before it but it's a scene where he's trying to rescue charlie when charlie's been found hanging in the woods like he pounds on his chest and then he gives up and he gets all angry and then he comes back and then i'm not gonna let you die yeah, yeah yeah um but what happens is uh, Kiefer Sutherland. So probably haven't explained this to people who haven't seen the film. Mm. People then go back and find these these sins that are haunting them. Mm. So Kevin Bacon goes and visits a girl, an African American girl who he was bullying at school, mm. who has now come back and haunted him. Mm. Um, Kiefer Sutherland is haunted by a child who comes and literally beats him up with yeah. a baseball bat. Like physically, and, uh, he gets yeah. physically hurt. Um, and as it turns out, um, he was. As a child, Keith Sutherland chased this child into the woods. Mm. Um, he ran up a tree. They were throwing rocks at him. He fell down and this child died. 
Keith... And, and also in the most upsetting bit for you... Yeah, a the, branch the, fell on the dog. A branch fell on the dog, and yeah. the, dog, the dog died too, and you were very upset I'm not sure him. the dog did die. The, the dog did die. You could see him at the end, the dog had his eyes open, mm. and he wasn't breathing. Okay. But the... the, the <laughs> just to explain it, sorry, mm. I've got to explain it. The dog... Um, the branch landed on the dog's legs, so when he's haunting Keith Sutherland, he's haunting him with his legs all like mangled at the back. I didn't get that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So That's creepy. So everyone goes and visits their sins. Everyone makes well, peace with it, doesn't Billy they? Billy Baldwin doesn't really. No. His that, girlfriend visits, yeah. finds the sex tapes, and dumps and him. Says, Problem I, solved. But but also, I think the point that she was making, although again, it is crime. The point, the point that she was making is, I'm not leaving you because you've had sex with other people because you've been unfaithful. I'm leaving you because you you have no respect for women. And how could we ever have a marriage, you know, a marriage based on trust? I could never trust you. But also you've been serially cheating on me. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The bit with Kevin Bacon, I, I thought that was the most powerful of all of the sort of atonements... Some of the um, comments that he had made, the bullying um, comments that he had made to this girl, when I was listening to them again, I haven't seen this for quite a while, he does, he he uses racist phrases because she's repeating them back to him. Mm. And they don't, they don't, they don't drill into that very much, but I found that quite affecting to listen to the little girl repeating back all of the things that have been said to her um, language that we hear a lot of people and um, there's a lot of um, people who make oh, I hate to say it, like monkey chants and mm. you know we've seen some horrific scenes of like bananas being thrown onto the foot I'm thinking of footballers in particular because it's been certainly on, back in those times it was definitely still happening and yeah. she uses that terminology to say you know to show that he was throwing that at her okay i didn't pick up on that mm. myself but yeah but I, I, yeah. I thought that and the fact that when he goes to see her the daughter now might be facing the same bullying the same racist bullying yeah and he's there to say i'm i'm sorry for what i did and to atone for for what he did as a child so that solves mm-hmm. kevin bacon's problem and yep. somehow solves billy baldwin's problem okay. um but the you've prob- got a problem. The problem with is the end. that so Julie Roberts and Kiefer Sutherland's problem is that both these people are dead, so they can't revisit and atone for their past. Uh-huh. Somehow Julie Roberts revisits the house that she grew up in and found that her dad, when hiding away, was um, shooting up heroin, mm. and that's why he killed himself. Yeah. Um, so it, I think she feels. Well, he he says, I'm so sorry, yeah. and they reconcile. Mm. And I think she comes to an understanding that it wasn't her fault that he took his own life. Yeah. That he took his own life because he may have been traumatised from the war, was what, because he was a, yes. he'd come home from the war. Yeah, it's been, yeah. It's, so, mm. I mean, they, they don't go, you, you've got to sort of add things up, and that may not be what he meant, but yeah. I took it that he was he had trauma from the war, he was also an addict, he was maybe guilt-ridden or ashamed that his daughter had seen him in this room that she's not meant to go into yes. um taking heroin and then he's taking his own life mm. so yeah that wraps that up but then Keith the problem Sutherland you've got is with Keith Sutherland goes back under um so takes his own life and then decide he's haunt he's in the woods where he was throwing mm. these rocks at this child 
there is a flip reverse it where he is up the tree and the child is throwing rocks at him. Kiefer Sutherland falls to his quote-unquote death in a mirror image. And then the child stands over him, gives him a nod. Smiles. Yeah. Uh, walks off. the dog. Dog's yeah, fine. Dog's fine. Dog's fine. Walks off. Yeah, waves at him waves at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> waves at him. Waves yeah. at him. And then he goes off into a light. Yes. Um, Keith Sutherland is brought back to life by Kevin Bacon's Jack... Uh, <laughs> Jack Shepard. Jack Shepard from Lost <laughs> yeah. Moment. Everyone smiles at each other. Credits roll. Yeah. Yeah, it's Joe Schumacher, man. It's Joe Schumacher. <sighs> We're didn't. not having any of that. We're not I having was, a prolonged I was, Although this wasn't the film that I wanted, I was really enjoying it. That took a bit off it for me. Well, what would you want to happen? Would you want Keith Sutherland to be dead? No, no, no. I want an actual resolution to... I don't want him just to fall out a tree and that's what makes everything okay. Well, you want him to actually have a conversation with him the way that... Yes. Julia Roberts has with her dad. Or, I mean, I'm not a scriptwriter. Make right. something that makes me feel like there is some resolution to that, okay. to that story point. Because he does shout, I'm sorry. He shouts, I'm sorry. And I think that's what... <laughs> I think that's what Billy, the little boy who ended up dying in his youth, I think that's what Billy wanted. That's that you know to to feel that Keith Sutherland had some. It's not remorse. really a spectacular ending, is it? No. It's a child giving a nod and going bye. It's fine now. We yeah. can all resolve that we've resolved this. Billy died on the way to his home planet. <laughs> What's that? It's a Simpsons reference. You say that all the time, and I just don't get it. (laughs) Right, so, (laughs) given this was not the film that you thought you were going to see... But I really was enjoying it up until certainly the last five minutes. Right. With some reservations. And what would you give it? I'd give it three and a half. Three and a half stars. That's really good. Yeah. I'm really pleased by that. I'm pleased you enjoyed it that much. Yes. Brilliant. So, from supernatural horror, where are we going next week? I'm still not really sure. Okay. I've got a film in mind. I don't know if you... I think you might have seen it, though. You, we, we keep saying this, don't we? We keep double, sort of, like, guessing mm. as to whether we've seen things. Well, tell me. You've but, got one in your back pocket, though, so, haven't you? So, I've been trying to find this film today, and I noticed it was... We have it on DVD. And is it one of yours or I don't one of think, mine? I don't think I owned it, so it might be yours, which makes me think you might have seen it. But something in my mind says you haven't seen it. Because I do have DVDs that I haven't seen. Okay, so right. throw it at me and I'll, I'll just tell you. Have you ever seen Taken? No, I haven't. I haven't seen Taken. Not at all. So we were talking earlier about mid-budget mm, action films. Yeah. This is the definitive mid-budget action film okay. that took off and went what the 2009 equivalent of viral is. Can I say what I think the line is from it? Is it, I will find you and I will kill you? Yes. Yeah. Good, right. Do you, know, do you know, what do you know about this? It's got Big Liam Neeson in it. Big Liam, yeah. Yeah. Has it got the girl from 24 in it playing his daughter? Have no. I got that completely wrong? Yeah, you've got it right. completely wrong. So my idea is, this is my idea of what this film is about, Big Liam Neeson's daughter gets kidnapped for for reasons, and Big Liam Neeson goes after the people who have taken her. And at some point in time, he has a phone call with them in a proper nineties, picking up the phone and having a conversation with kidnappers. And he said, "You know, if I 
find you or when I find you I will kill you you know one of one of the other if I find you I'll kill you when I find you I'll kill you and inevitably he will find them and he will kill them well there I'm we not go. watching that because <laughs> uh, I think brilliant yeah that's what you want to watch so on, a, on it, a Saturday night yeah it's a lot of fun the reason this came to my mind mm. is because obviously we're talking about empire and things like that empire I think underestimated the people's reaction to this one it was a one star review in empire was it yeah um because this was this shouldn't have been a hit it's i think it was probably must must have been a word of mouth mm. because liam neeson wasn't an action star at the time mm. um this mm. this relaunched liam neeson's totally. career now he's like in with wolves and, yes wolf yeah. puncher and yeah. uh yeah um and so i think this thought this was just some Almost straight to DVD fodder. Amazing. But yeah, I'll, I will... Don't look at the review. No, no, uh, I won't. I will, I will I never look at anything I will have a look at we... that and yeah. I will bring out some quotes. How and... long is it, Mark? Oh, I don't know. I've Ooh. not actually looked. I can't imagine it being long. Oh, I, in my mind, it's, if it's 90 minutes, I'll be surprised. Fabulous. Cause it's really... oh, it is exactly 90 minutes. Amazing, because it's really late now. Yes. <laughs> and I'm so tired. <laughs> so... If it could be a little bit shorter, if we could go to bed at a reasonable time, like I'm talking eight o'clock, that would be brilliant. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We realise this is a pretty long episode of the podcast because we had a lot to talk about in the TV slash film section before yes. we got to date night. We may make some alterations to the podcast as we as we go forward because thing, things are... A, Things are changing. Aren't we wanted they? a half hour podcast when we started. We absolutely did. We said we wouldn't do anything longer than half an hour because people get bored after <laughs> half an hour. And this, this is, I mean, I'm guessing here, we're probably about an hour and a half on this one. Wait till I've edited it down. But even editing it down, I think it's going to be, a, <laughs> I think this is going to be the longest one we've done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much. If you've got to this end part, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we will see you next week we for a, a bit of Liam Neeson. And more telly. Hooray! See you later. Bye. Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time.